0: Yeah, he said it felt like it was a thousand miles, you know, uh, listen, you're on a I'm camel. Him, though. You know I, mean? I've, I, I, I like Lawrence of Arabia. I like the movie. The Do, you movie Do you know what he called his camel? Do you know his camel's name was? Uh, top of my head now. Two, two Humps. Not that,
1: that was his name. Oh my god, stop.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've, I've ridden on a camel. So it's not very comfortable. I, I imagine it does feel like a thousand miles. Let me, Let me ask know. you a question. How long did it take your prostate to recover Still
0: to this day. Still to this day, it's camelized.
1: <laughs> Alright, welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Hi. And Ryan.
2: What this beer has been getting warm, waiting for you guys. Let's what you. was
0: that? How did you open that?
2: Yeah, I de- delicately because it's a it's a natty light. It
0: sounded like you like put it under <laughs> pressure and flicked a match
1: and changed the temperature and the cap flew off.
2: That'd be pretty cool. Yeah,
1: Is it like one of those one of those old timey like from the 80s like peel top cans.
2: No, but I've seen one of those recently. I gotta think what it was that I saw that on. But it's no, probably on
1: like Malta Goya.
2: <laughs> this is just
0: no, I drank. I drank a peel top like Jamaican ginger beer that was totally Goya brands.
2: It's the Catalina wine mixer.
0: It's fucking the Catalina fucking line Catal- line mixer. You're drinking the fucking Catalina wine mixer, dude. I will tell you what, this podcast calls for an Arbor
2: mist. <laughs> I need a sea breeze. I'm not to drink the fucking wine cooler. Oh, they're so bad, dude. They're terrible.
0: Just, just That's, go straight to Box Wine. I feel see Box Wine isn't bad though. I feel like I feel like uh, Sea Breeze though is like one step above the barrel of random plastic bottles at the front of the liquor store.
2: The sea Breeze <laughs> was what my mom bought me and my buddy Alex like when we were god we had to be like fifteen and she was like if you guys want to drink you drink in front of me and then busted out with <laughs> stuff good just, like, a fucking Sea Breeze yeah <laughs> I looked at Alex and I was like. Should we tell mom about the whiskey at your house, or like,
0: <laughs> should just be like, uh, "Listen, mom, uh, let's get something straight."
2: But I would rather drink.
0: I would so, rather drink know, Capri it. Sun than Sea Breeze, <laughs> and pretend she I'm called, drunk.
2: She called Franzia her adult Capri Suns. So.
0: Yeah, that's what we. That's what we used to call it. Because when you take it out of that box, it's just a big plastic bag, big bladder. And,
2: uh, uh, recently, I'd say within the last five years or so, I've had some friends that we do the uh, tour to Franzia, where everybody chugs a box of Franzia as fast as they can and has oh to do a my. bunch of tasks. Oh my. First. Oh uh, my never, God. It's never ended well. So You
0: know, there's actually a historical figure that did that same thing. Um, T.E. Lawrence.
2: Was that Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia? Did he chug Franzia in the middle of the desert?
1: Steve, why don't you he clear did. this up for us? <laughs> that's how that's totally he won over the Arab people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've been doing a lot of uh, Battlefield 1 replaying this week to get ready for this. Is he in that? Uh, tangentially. Ten, tinge, tangential. Now, you
0: tangential. said it right. You're good. At tangentially. Tangent, yeah. Yeah, tangentially.
2: Yeah, yeah. So but you don't today, ever to control him.
1: Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, T.E. Lawrence. That's Thomas Edward Lawrence. Um, he was born on August 16th, 1888 um, in Wales. So a, a thing about Lawrence, it's kind of odd from like his his sort of like parentage and like how he was brought up, is that his father was a um, was a nobleman. Okay. Um. He what? he actually a during, Welsh nobleman. Uh, no, he was um he was English. Okay. He was of Anglo-Irish um, descent. Are there Welsh noblemen? There there are, I believe. Okay, just making sure. There, there's some like famous like mythological Welsh kings and stuff. Um, it, it's like, like for instance, um, Henry the Seventh was um, was like part Welsh. Okay. Did he speak Manx? I said Welsh, not Manx. Uh. It, essentially, what happened was that his father was a nobleman, and he. Um, his father was named Thomas Chapman and he was married to um, a woman named Edith. Um and then but he had he had two daughters with um with Edith, but eventually they hired a governess who was named um Sarah. Um was a governess.
2: Is that like a nanny?
1: Yeah, and she was um she she was there to like take care of the girls like essentially during this time period if you're well off like you you never like interact with your children um usually in like the united kingdom during this time period um and in a lot of other places like the second you can like send your children off to a boarding school you do and before then you have like a a governess or, or someone like that like handling your children and she ends up having an affair um with his father um, and he has a son with her oh couldn't see that coming and and eventually what happens is is that her originally her name is uh, Sarah Jenner but um, she takes on the name Lawrence which was believed to have been um, the name of her of her actual father because she herself was like a, an illegitimate child um, from one of these like noble houses okay and so she, she takes on the name Lawrence um, He eventually Separates um, From his uh, first wife, Edith And then he lives out the rest of his life um, With Sarah Lawrence And they have um, they have About five sons One of them is um, Young um, Thomas Okay <clears throat> Do they call him hey. Young Thomas? Because that's a great name
0: for a kid Probably <laughs> Young Thomas in the house <laughs> it's like Cory in the house but it's young thomas in the house it's the original Cory in the house is young Thomas in the house, <laughs> the in the house. In the house. <laughs> T Lawrence walks in laugh track
1: um they they move um throughout the UK uh mainly in um in around England um and his father during that time also inherits um a a, baron, a baronetcy um so he he becomes a baron um, and, and he inherits the ancestral house, which is uh, Kilowa Castle, um, in Ireland. Just to clear mm-hmm. this up, uh,
0: he inherits a, an Irish barony called Kilwa Castle.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's make it sure. Um, so, and, and of his five sons, um, Thomas is the the second eldest, so he's the second son. Um, so, so he's not getting anything. Um, and eventually um, they they settled down in, in sort of um, in in Hampshire um, England um, in, in sort of this like isolated um, sort of, sort of household in the middle of the woods um, where um, Thomas spends a lot of time you know out in, outdoors and in the wilderness um, and, and he's sort of like an outsider throughout most of his life um, because because he's a bastard
2: mm-hmm
1: and, and due to, like, sort of the social um, sort of restrictions at that time, you know, very much um, like Down Abbey, you know, because he's because he's a bastard, even though his father is, is a nobleman, um, he, he'll never be able to inherit because he's a bastard. And then also because he was born out of wedlock, like, people in general society don't really accept him.
2: That was actually a thing back then, too. Like, if you were born out of wedlock, people legitimately did not like you or would just kind of, like... <laughs> Ugh, just push you off to the side like it's so weird to me
1: yep and eventually um at one point in his childhood um around the time that he's um he's around eight or ten um and actually it was 1905 so he was seven at the time um he he claims himself that he had ran a run away from home and that he had become a, a boy soldier um with uh, the Royal Garrison Artillery in Cornwall, um, but in that he eventually had to be like bought out of his service by his father. Um, Why? Because he because his dad didn't want him to be you know like the errand boy in the, in uh, the, in the army at age seven. I see. He, he essentially he, he essentially did like the early 1900s version of like running away and joining the circus. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Many times I packed a bag with a toy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just made his made his bindle up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But there's there's no real evidence of this happening. Um, there there's a couple things that Lawrence talks about that happened in his um, in his life um, that can't be corroborated. Um, this is one of the minor ones. Um, there, there's also an anecdote we'll talk about later on during his like military career. That can't be corroborated, but it's generally considered to be um, true to some degree. Is this him riding the damn camel? Well, no, he he actually did all that.
2: No, no, I'm talking about like riding the camel across the desert in like some stupid like like 30 hours is what he said or something like that. It's like you can't make that. That's not possible. He well, basically insinuated in one of his books, and I remember reading it. And he basically insinuated he rode a camel something like a thousand miles in like 40 something hours, and it's like. I don't, and then it, come to find out, he just basically didn't didn't include his sleeping time in there. He I read that included. same book, and he he just kind of included he, his time that he was his ass was on the camel's home. Yeah, he said he it, it actually felt like a
0: thousand miles. That's what he yeah. said because he was that on was a camel. Right? I was like, what? <laughs> stop it!
1: <laughs> so we have we have the T. Lawrence Truther and the uh, the T. Lawrence uh, uh, yeah. Taker Downer. Yeah, he said it felt like it was a thousand miles. Yeah, you know, i
2: about him, though. You know what I mean? I, I, I like Lawrence of Arabia. I like the movie. The you know movie Do you know what he called his camel? Do you know his camel's name was? i uh, not off the top of my head now. Two two humps. I thought that was his name. Oh, my God. Stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've ridden on a camel. It's not very comfortable. I, I imagine it does feel like
0: a thousand miles. Let me you ask know. you a question. How long did it take your prostate to recover? It's still to this day still to this day it's cam- it's camelized you have a camelized prostate
1: uh, around the age of 15 um, Lawrence um and, and a friend of his name um named Cyril uh Beeson um they they go all around um th- sort of the sort of the villages of um of Berkshire um Buckinghamshire and and Oxfordshire and and just sort of like um go and like document everything in, like the village, like the churches, um <clears throat> all the monuments and different um sort of like historical sites and then they send their findings um to to, to Oxford and to the to the Ashmolean Museum and, and eventually in their annual report of nineteen oh six um they, they publish a lot of the things that they found um and, and sort of uh, credit it to the boys. Okay. Really?
0: Um, so at and, and 15 ar- he was like He was like a roving explorer
1: Yeah He That's was cool. like a, a junior archaeologist And then at, when so, it, yeah. About a year year or two later um, In 1906 and 1907 um, He would sort of Go around France by bicycle And he would sort of photograph And, and sort of document all the medieval <laughs> castles In France
0: Now bikes, what time was this? 19... 19- like, it's like 1906, 1907. So bikes yeah, were like, uh. It was like,
1: uh. something a rich person had, right? I I think they were fairly, um. fairly common during that time period by then. Okay. Yeah. When
2: you, when you say bikes. I'm not a big, uh, bike?
1: bike historian. I don't know.
2: Do you mean like motorcycle or like, or like Huffy?
1: Like,
0: like a bicycle bicycle. Okay.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, if he meant yeah. motorcycle, he would have said
2: it. Did he have one of those cool bikes, like a huge front wheel and like a little back wheel?
1: <laughs> a penny no, farthing? He, yeah, he wasn't going around. <laughs> going That's what around they're around called.
0: A, hand, penny a penny farthing, a penny farthing. He oh, did. He did though. He did) <laughs> The back wheel was constantly going out. Apparently, there's too much weight on it, you know?
2: Can you imagine how much of a bitch it has to be to change that front wheel?
0: No, can you imagine the guy <laughs> who designed that bike and then saw it in production and was just like, I can't believe you're actually doing this. God, you God, know, I sketched it up as a goof. I was? I was showing it to yeah. my buddy Larry, and I said, look at this goof. Now, look at this
2: bike. Do you know how you know fucked up me and Larry both were? Yeah. <laughs>
0: you, you, no you one really would get on this bike and drive up. You're, you're the size you're of a joking, bus. Guys. What's a bus? Larry.
1: Larry, what the fuck's up with this shipment? How are we supposed to do with these big big giant wheels and these little small wheels? What are we gonna do? Oh I wrote, I wrote
0: I rode two hundred, but I meant twenty.
1: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Somewhere there's a rotting cache of penny farthing tire wheels. Like just, just laying in a in a barn somewhere in South Dakota.
2: American pickers is gonna find it and just be millionaires.
0: I saw several of them in New York on it, so I started making the things, and they were gone in no time. I t- I said to Ma, I said Ma, this is the future. Till so that man in Chicago got blown right the hell off one. Because it Handed does it, it, off. It, it definitely makes you like a wind target, right? Being on a penny <laughs> farthing. I mean, you're fucking four feet in There's a lot the of drag. There's <laughs> this <Just> giant tire. <laughs> I got it. I, I'm just picturing some guy riding that. He has, like, the Guinness Book of World Records, and it just ends with him going off a cliff like the uh, like the uh, Segway guy. <laughs> That's another guy. That fucking thing. I built Yuck. a thing whose the entire point of the thing is that it gyroscopically keeps you level, and I fell off a cliff.
1: It's it. excellent. that man revolutionized mall security so cut him a break.
0: Speaking of mall security T.E. Lawrence went to the mall (laughs) Um, He went to the mall so often (laughs) In fact, um, he bought a bike bike. He won a bike in an arcade tournament and rode it around in 1907
1: Uh, In the game that he
2: played? Street Fighter (laughs) Lawrence
1: himself was actually um, pretty pretty smart, at least he, he talks himself up as as having learned French well enough in in August 1907, when writing home, he he says, you know that the that the locals had, had complimented him on his French and wondered uh, what part of France he was from.
2: Okay, this guy's kind of a windbag. Yeah, I
0: that like, doesn't. Geez, sound. I, I like I
2: like I like this story, Lawrence of Arabia. That this dude's starting to sound like a windbag.
0: I mean, I know a lot about the French, and as to say, I don't know much, but I do know. <laughs> That's not stereotype. That to
2: compliment a foreigner, yeah, on their the French.
0: stereotype. You'd have to be pretty fucking French to to get a Frenchman to say "Zachary, that is some good French," you know?
2: Yeah, they're gonna be like, "Look, you fucking weirdo, stop using my language."
1: Well, he was. He was also going around like middle of nowhere France, like before World War I. Oh, so it's like so townies. So I'm sure the townians are like, so where where are you from? They they don't even think like a foreigner would even come to their area. They're just like, so what part of France are you from? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm from might Calais. Have to his,
2: uh, might have been to his benefits and not say that he's from England based on the two countries' history.
1: Well, this is this is around the time of their rapprochement. when they They're when repro- they become friends and allies. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> they mount up. So from mount from, up. <laughs> <laughs> Regulators <laughs> um, from from 1907 to 1910 um, he studies uh, history um, at, at Oxford. Um, and and in, in throughout that time he also continues his um, his studies um, throughout France and, and the Middle East. Um, from July to August of 1908, um, he cycled, Um, 2,200 miles solo um, through France to the Mediterranean and back um, just researching French castles. And in the summer of 1909, he he does a similar thing where he does a walking tour of Crusader castles um, in Ottoman Syria where he walks about 1,000 miles on foot over a span of like three months.
2: What? God damn.
1: I mean, that's definitely possible.
2: I walked 10 miles. I had blisters. I was miserable. I wanted to kill myself. This dude did you a 1,000? Fuck that.
0: But he's got those superior pseudo-royal Welsh feet.
2: <laughs> um, here's my question, too. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt you, but you said that he went to Oxford. Wasn't he, like, 13?
1: No, it, it, he was, because um, he, he started in 1907, so he was uh, 19 years old.
2: <clears throat> okay, okay, okay.
1: Now, did he get in based on the fact that he was a
0: royal bastard?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had a bastard quota,
0: which is like, uh, yeah. I love how the term "royal bastard" has turned into. It, it started as a bad thing and became a, just an epithet. Like, man, <gasps> that man is a royal bastard.
2: <laughs> Yo, you know what? You know what? That um, Steve forgot to say. Yes, he went to Oxford, but do you know what college he specifically studied at? At at Oxford College? He studied at Jesus College. From 1907 to 1910. He went to Oxford, specifically Jesus College, one of the constituent colleges. Wow.
0: Isn't that what Oxford... Does though? They have like a, they're like
1: a loose confederation of well, that's that's all they, universities. Yeah, they just they, don't, you have, they just don't have names for the colleges. They right. just call them like the College of Arts and Humanities. Right. The prime right, example
2: right. is here in Gainesville. We have University of Florida. Then you have like College of Dentistry, College of Medicine, College of Animal Medicine, okay, like, okay, Veterinary Medicine, that stuff. But that's I, weird. I, I the guess. Jesus College because they, they do clergy like they 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 educate clergy and stuff like they do priests. Hmm. He doesn't
1: say um, in, in sort of like a retrospective of his uh, of his brother um, his his brother Arnold wrote in in 1937 Arnold that, Lawrence yeah that um, his brother uh, probably sort of like delved into his uh, in his researches as a way of like escaping life in England because
0: of My- the fact that people didn't like him and thought he was a royal bastard.
1: Yeah, that he was sort of, like, an outsider in society. See, but, like, uh,
0: did everyone know who he was? I mean, couldn't he, like, go a town over and just be like, Hey, my name's
2: Jeff, here to uh, shovel coal. <clears throat> Hi, my name's uh, Thomas Ed- uh, Edwin Lawrence. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure it comes up in, like, middle-class England, you know? He's not, like, he's not, like, trawling the pubs in, like... Oh, okay. He's—he like, hasn't
2: really made a name for himself yet,
1: though, right? He hasn't—he hasn't really made a name for himself. He just like still in college. Um, Would you and, say that he had a privileged life,
0: regardless of his stature as a royal bastard?
1: Yes. yes. Well, he's just a noble bastard. <laughs> he's not a royal bastard. Yeah, but we're gonna keep
0: saying uh, royal bastard because noble bastard sounds. Like a class of good. people, like you know what I mean. It sounds classy. Yeah, it does sound classist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh god!
1: All right, I'll call him a noble bastard, Steve. Fine, you can have it your way. Um in in 1910, we're in 1910 after after graduating. <laughs>
0: 1910. Fast forward, in the far
1: fast forward
0: ten thousand years. <laughs> Oh man 19.010 T. E. Lawrence We're gonna be talking about
2: t- We're gonna be talking about Lords of Arabia Great, 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 19.010 great,
0: great, great. Great, great, great. T. E. Lawrence Bicycled around the moon It's space
2: He bicycled on Saturn's rings Three times in 49
1: hours
0: Exploring Crusader castles
2: uh.
0: Oh
1: god while playing Crusader Kings Two <laughs> on his <laughs> on his
0: phone, because that's when we'll have that power. And today's
1: sponsor. No, I'm just calling you. Ugh. So in, in 1910 he he becomes um, he becomes an archaeologist, um, and and he works on behalf of the British Museum, and he he goes on an expedition um, that was set up by this man named D.G. Uh, Hogarth. Um, and he he arranged for um, for Lawrence to go on, on sort of a um, on, on sort of a scholarship on the, on this expedition um, from the Magdalen College at Oxford um, for about a hundred pounds a year.
0: So' an expedition joining an expedition for a hundred pounds a year. Um, so it, but he probably the... would be okay with that you know because first of all he was, he, he was, what was the guy's name? D.G. Hogarth? Yeah. Yeah, so you got T. Lawrence, D.G. Hogarth, B.A. Baracus. You got all these initialed up guys.
1: Luckily, no planes, so you don't have to drug B.A. to get him on the plane. (laughs) Hannibal, I'm not getting on that plane. (laughs) It's
0: like John Madden of the Uh. (laughs) A-Team. Now you see.
2: Uh, This here's a guy... But when he puts his contacts in, he can see better.
0: Oh. Oh, Oh my God. I refuse to do Madden jokes.
2: (laughs) Didn't he die? Or is he still alive? No, he's
0: still alive. He's still alive. I think uh, each year a single strand, like a single hair from his eyebrows falls out. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just one more year that he's allowed
2: to live what's all his eyebrow hair seriously called?
0: if you want to be grossed out look up John Madden
1: eyebrows
2: no he's just <laughs> you're just
1: describing his eyebrows like it's the rose under the glass or whatever in in um Beauty and the Beast it's the uh
0: <laughs> the, the peat drop experiment or whatever <laughs> uh, you know about do you know about that the pitch drop experiment
2: I, I've heard of it, but I'm still laughing about the fucking rose underneath the glass. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it basically is like this experiment that's been going on. It's the longest-running single experiment, I think. Okay. Uh, it's been going on since, like, 1930. And it's just, how long does it take a single drop of pitch to fall down the bottom of a funnel? You can look it up, Lauren. anyway. But we'll go back to T.E. Lawrence. It's so weird, dude. You gotta look it up.
2: That sounds like some esoteric stuff. That it
0: I takes to like 10, 12 to years for one drop to fall. The last drop fell in 2014. It took 14 years. <laughs> it's crazy.
2: So T.E. Lawrence and his huffy riding around the desert digging for stuff.
0: <laughs> for 100 pounds a year.
2: <laughs> look, he's skinny. He I believe it was 100 we can, we can, we can a per pounds per annum. But
0: how how, how, ad- how long ad- was a year the back section? then?
1: <laughs> Were we talking a standard year? Is this a <laughs> this a Welsh year? Because that's a short year. <laughs> <laughs> um in in December of 1910, um he sails to uh Biblos, um in near Beirut where he studies Arabic, um and then he he works on expeditions at um um near jarablus in uh, northern syria i spent a lot of time in syria um and he would study under under hogarth um and a r campbell thompson of the british uh, museum and leonard woolley until 1914 for uh what arabic or for just museum studies just no just just sort of like after he says arabic he goes on an excavation
2: so these are his for, bosses. for like four
1: years so those are <laughs> like his bosses okay his
2: his bosses and his investors i guess maybe
1: did you say excavation? Well, excavation yeah yeah they're they're like museum people they're like the the sort of like the heads of the expedition Got it. and they brought him along as, as another like expert
2: they're like uh, museum people with the hats and the picks and the shovels. You know, museum guys. You know, They're with the tan, with the tan coats and all the you're pockets. You
0: like suddenly and, fell down a hole there, buddy. You sound like you're uh, tying your shoe or something.
2: I, I went across. I went away from my mic because I was like, I'm gonna yell this, but I don't want it to like blow people's ears from Oh,
1: down. okay, got it. <laughs> Eventually, um, around January of 1914, um, it, it becomes pretty obvious, you know, that the UK is going to be embroiled in a war um, on the continent. And and they sort of start preparing for it, and they're a bit worried about the Ottoman Empire um, because in recent years, the Ottoman Empire has become a lot closer with Germany. Uh Uh-oh. You're saying they're in cahoots?
2: Dun-dun-dun! Yes.
1: And and the UK is a bit worried um, because they do have a protectorate in Egypt, Um, and they're worried about the Ottoman Empire... Um, you know, coming across the Sinai Peninsula and attacking Egypt. I um, bet you, if
2: um, they hadn't expanded across the entire goddamn globe, that they would have a lot less to worry about in times like this.
1: Fucking well, yeah.
2: colonizers. I
1: mean, that's the problem. Well, it's it's one colonizer against another colonizer.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a shit outcome.
2: <laughs>
1: There's um, gonna
0: be
2: one super colonizer when it's all said and done.
1: Yeah so the as, as sort of um the the british government um the british military has uh william lawrence um go on an archaeological study of the negev desert um which is sort of in the the desert that's in southern uh modern day israel um which borders on like the sinai peninsula um they, they were sort of doing it um, as, as part of this being funded by what's co- what was called the Palestine Exploration Fund. And the idea was that they would try to find uh, an area from the Bible referred to as the Wilderness of Zin. Okay. And, the, and that they would um, do an archaeological survey of the desert along the way. Um, but a lot of this was done just sort of to map the area, which they did while they were doing the study.
2: Huh. How the fuck do you map sand? Like, <laughs> just you're in a fucking desert. <laughs> like,
1: but you find out, you know, where are, um, where where there's the water hill. sources, things there's like that. Is a hill that. over there? Is it
2: is a palm tree over there?
1: Kind of like Ma- that. mainly mainly oases. Done, mapped, go. <laughs> well, the Negev is like pretty pretty rich in resources because like the Israelis like to like cart it out as being like like this magnificent thing they've done of like making this like desert region like livable.
2: So they're mapping out more than just sand and trees. They're mapping out where natural resources can be found and things of that. Yeah,
1: nature? like things okay. like water, um, just just different passes and stuff like that. Ah, OK. OK. Like that, that makes more sense than
2: getting on top of a dune and being like,
1: I see sand. And write that down. That's our map. Um, sand. And, and he, he goes as far as um, in, in modern day Jordan um, to um, Aqaba and, and Shobek. Uh, which is, like, sort of by Petra.
2: Did you say Agrabah? Did he see Aladdin? Secretly. No, but did you say Agrabah for real? I said Aqaba. Oh. <laughs> is that a real place? Did Disney jack a fucking city? Okay.
1: So what, what they do was they actually do publish, um, a, like, an archaeological report on it. Um, but they send all their maps to the military. So, so, they make two reports. They make an actual, like, proper, like, academic, like, study report um, that, that they publish, and then they, they send all their other research to the British military.
2: Oh, uh, kind of underhanded. Nice. Okay.
1: Um, and, and when hostilities break out in, in August of 1914, um, Lawrence sort of holds back on signing up um, because he was told um, by, a, by a friend of his um sf Newcomb, that he would be um that he would be commissioned as a general um and that he would be able to like give lawrence like a good commission if he waited okay so wait wait wait. so a general wasn't a good commission no 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 his his friend is going to become a general lawrence isn't going to be a general lawrence is never a general um his, his friend who is a general can commission officers so he can give him like a good posting hmm. okay
2: basically if you let your boy get up there and spend some time in there he'll make sure you get a cush job and, and make some good money
1: and he gets um, and before the end of 1914 um, he's summoned by another archaeologist and historian um, David Hogarth who's a lieutenant commander um, in the British intelligence and he, who who was also his mentor, um, during his archaeological studies, um, to be in the Arab um, Bureau um, of Intelligence um, unit, which was in Cairo, um, and he arrives in Cairo on December fifteenth of nineteen
0: fourteen. T. Lawrence does.
1: Yes. Um, and and a lot of uh, what sort of this this unit was sort of focused on was sort of working with the local Arab peoples. Um, Because most of North Africa, you know, there there are Arab peoples, um, especially Egypt, um, and the areas near Egypt. Um, And and during this time, there's this growing um, Arab nationalist movement um, within, like, the Ottoman Empire. Um, And many of these these sort of um, Arab nationalist groups, Sort of what they want is, is they want an end to sort of, like, Ottoman rule as, as sort of, like, a dictatorial monarchal system, and they want sort of, like, a more um, sort of, like, constitutional um, sort of system.
2: Uh-oh, this sounds, this sounds dangerously like a revolt's coming.
1: Um, so they, they, they want sort of, like, a return um, of the Ottoman parliament as, like, an actual, like, body that can do things. Um, and they want greater representation. You know, the ability um, to learn Arabic and teach it and use it in everyday life.
2: Now, were the Ottomans um, were they kind of having their boot on the Arabs' neck at this point? Like, were they more powerful to say, "Hey, listen, what we say goes"?
1: Well, they're they're the nominal like ruling class.
2: Yeah, like, like I know like, they're, they're t- yeah, 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 okay.
1: And they 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 sort of um, they they sort of promote this sort of like. Ottoman culture, um, and they they ruled this sort of multicultural um, empire. sitting down, everyone relaxing.
2: Now, can we say when we say Ottomans? Can we just say, for the sake of anybody who's listening that's not incredibly familiar with the the ethnic the ethnic areas and like that? Can we just say, as an idea to get in their heads, Turkey, basically Turkish, mo- well, majority Turkish, with well, some outlying areas that were kind of condensed into that quote unquote Ottoman Empire.
1: Well, the Ottomans uh, themselves are are the descendants of, of Turks, and mm. they, they don't like to be referred to as Turks. Mm. Um, they they were of the Seljuk tribe, um, and the, and then they sort of like bring in their cultural like sort of a pre modern thing where you know sort of before like ethnicity really exists, um, and then they eventually like co opt the local Greek inhabitants of Anatolia um, to convert to Islam and sort of adopt um, their their sort of culture. Um, and they would refer to themselves as Ottomans. Like, during that time period, if you would call them a Turk, they would consider it, like, an insult.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. All
1: right. So, so they're they're Ottomans. A, a Turkey has not been formed yet. Um, you know, Turkey has not yet collapsed. Um, but we're thinking Ad- of that area of the world. Yes. And, okay. and Ataturk has not taken over. You know, they haven't committed the, the genocides that they will go on to commit to form yeah. the Turkish state. Um, the
2: goddamn Armenian genocide was real? I don't give a fuck what you people say.
1: I think most um, so, most reasonable
0: people don't. You yeah, don't have I, to argue with
1: there. <laughs> I, I think the vast majority of people outside of Turkey believe the, you know, the the Armenian genocide happened. Yeah. Um, so they they eventually come into contact with one of the uh, one of the local Arab leaders, um, who is Sharif Hussein, who's the Emir of Mecca. Um, and Sharif Hussein. Um, the the Husseins themselves are their descendants from Muhammad, which is like not that not that difficult. Um, but they're one of those lines of 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 sort of like nobles that can trace their lineage back to Muhammad. Hmm. Muhammad, okay. Um, and, and the British sort of begin negotiating with him, and, th- and they promise him that they will create an independent Arab state, which includes the the Hijaz. Um, which is sort of the coastal region of Saudi Arabia, um, Syria, and, and Mesopotamia.
0: Hmm. An autonomous and, state, huh?
1: Yeah, one well, independent Arab state. Sounds familiar. Uh, uh, what year are we talking about right now? What?
2: What year are we talking about right now?
1: This is, this is still in 1915. Okay. Um, and, and Britain sort of wants to have, you know, a friendly state in the region... Um, because they still control the Suez Canal during this time period, okay. Um, and so, and so, having you know I- installing um, the the Hussein um, as as sort of like the the leader of the sort of like nominal um, Arab state will create a situation that protects their interests. Um, but this this quickly um, th- this quickly changes because the French are not really happy with this. Um, because the French want Syria as a French colony, um, and they, they start working against um, the British in this regard. Uh, and the, the government of India at this time, um, which, though, is, is part of the British government, sort of operates independently, um, they want Mesopotamia to be under their control. Um, and, and they want that region to, to sort of be like a granary for India, um, and, and also because they control an outpost in Aden, like, sort of like a trading port, and it would further strengthen their control of that port. Hmm. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of different groups that have different interests in the region. Um, the, the British do come into it with sort of like, a, initially with like a good faith, um, sort of agreement that they're going to have with these Arabs. Um, but, but the French, um, and other interests within the British government sort of like throw that, um throw that to the wind in a lot of regards. Right. So So where's TE Lawrence? Um he is at, at this time you know he's serving in the, the Arab Bureau. Um he's he's preparing maps. Um he's he's sort of preparing um like bulletins for the generals who are operating in the theater and he's interviewing um, prisoners. Okay. Um, he he also advocates um for for sort of an invasion of um of Turkey um at, at alexandretta which is on the coast uh but but that never really happens um he, he's also very consistent in wanting an independent arab syria
2: and this, and this really sounds like a nice build-up to what's going to happen next year
1: and, and eventually in october of 1915 um sharif hussein um gets tired of sort of being like strung along and he demands that the british like immediately commit to helping him and he says if they don't that he's going to sort of um throw his weight behind the ottomans and support them who's sharif hussein sharif hussein's that that arab leader okay he's the emir of mecca okay he he essentially controls the Hijaz, which is the the coastal area of saudi arabia like the only part of saudi arabia that's actually worth like having okay um so the the british are worried about this because they're afraid you know that if the the that if he joins up with the ottomans it's going to create this sort of like pan-islamic block that they're going to be fighting against um and and they don't want to make this conflict they have with the ottomans about sort of like an islam versus like christianity type deal um they they just want it more as like a regional conflict of them just protecting the suez canal and, and sort of dealing with the ottomans um, and, and also, this is after the Gallipoli campaign, um, so they're not really looking um, to have that happen. Okay. Um, so they, the, the High Commissioner, uh, McMahon, he sends, um, he, he sends sort of a letter um, sort of agreeing to their commitments um, and, and sort of reassuring Hussein that they're going to help him. Um, and in the spring of 1916, um, Lawrence is dispatched... To Mesopotamia to to relieve the siege of of Kut, um, which is using um, a, a group of um, Arabs and also by bribing Ottoman officials, which is sort of like the start of um, the the sort of Arab revolt against the Ottomans. Okay. Right. So the the mission itself is generally um, not that successful, um, but. Um, during this time, it, it's when the sykes picot agreement um, begins to be negotiated ah, in London.
2: Shit. Yep, mm-hmm. the thing that's still fucking us over here, what, a hundred years later almost?
1: Yeah, and what happens is is that while they're negotiating this in London, nobody in the Cairo, like none of the British officials in Cairo um, know that this is happening and that Britain is, is pretty much promising modern-day Lebanon and Syria to France.
2: I mean, they didn't exactly have Facebook. <laughs> the text messages back then to be like, well, "Hey, by the way, we're talking about this." They had text yeah. messages. Well, it was just well, written send, down.
1: That's all. <laughs> they could send telegraphs and stuff. So it's not like they had ravens. It's not, it's, it, it's not like the information is not getting to them fast enough. It's that they're willfully like not telling them about what they're doing. Of course, of course. Um. So and, and they also set down this sort of um goalpost. Um, then they say that if the Arabs want, like, an independent state, they have to conquer Syria's four great cities. So they would have to conquer Damascus, Homs, Hama, and Aleppo. If they were to they
2: if, to if they, a
1: state. If, if they were going to, like, claim to have, state. like, a okay. state, that sure. would give them sort of, like, the, if they controlled that territory, it would sort of give them the prerequisite to, you know, declaring their own state. Okay. Um, so the Arab Revolt begins in full force in June of 1916. Um, so they, they have very few real successes. Um, it, it seems like early on that the Ottomans are going like, to bust through and capture Mecca. So on October 16th, 1916, Lawrence is sent to the Hejaz um, to, to sort of like, uh, gather intelligence. Um, and while he's there, he interviews um, Sharif Hussein's sons, Ali, Abdullah, and Faisal. And he can, and he sort of concludes that that Faisal is the best candidate to lead the revolt. I've heard that name um, before. I'm
2: sure you've heard all those names because they're the ones that were kind of like the Arab commanders.
1: And they, they also shit. eventually become like kings of, of different areas. Yeah, I've heard King Faisal uh, that, that, before. That does that doesn't last very long. Okay. <laughs> the The Hashemites don't really like end up very well. Um, the only one that still stands is Jordan. Um, it, in November, um, he um, Lawrence has sort of made a, a permanent member of of Faisal's staff, um, and this this is largely done um, because um, his commander SF Newcomb hasn't like arrived yet, um, so Lawrence is sent in his place, um, and Faisal and Lawrence work out. Um, a plan for sort of, like, repositioning the Arab forces to prevent um, the Ottomans from um, sort of um, coming down south and sort of keeping them bottled up in Medina. Okay. um, Which is in modern-day Iraq. Um, Newcomb eventually arrives, but he sees that, like, Lawrence is, like, doing such a great job that he, like, stops him from... Um, stops him from leaving the area and makes him sort of like a permanent member of the team.
0: Okay. You're on. Here's your jersey.
2: <laughs> Get out there. <laughs> Get out there on the field. You got one hurt, you're going into your the game. you starting shortstop. <laughs> Come on, coach. I'm ready. Just give me a chance. <laughs>
1: um, so he he sort of helps them like strategize and he also takes place and like military engagements because like a lot of what you see in in the movie lawrence of arabia like that's based on real events like like he's he's sort of like riding on like horseback and camelback you know attacking with um, scimitars high in sort of trains and stuff yeah
2: everything i know about lawrence of arabia is he's not traditional military badass like you would think he's more or less like a sapper he destroys supply lines he destroys you know anything that well, can help on an, he, an, an opposite army in their battle
1: yeah he's a he's like a it's guerrilla warfare you know he's a partisan yeah um so he in 19, in june of 1917 he makes a 300 mile um personal journey northward um to, going to Aqaba, um Raspalik, and then also to the outskirts of damascus Um, and Azraq Jordan. Um, There he sort of meets with other Arab nationalists, and and he sort of, like, counsels them on strategies. Um, He he tells them not to revolt until um, Faisal's uh, forces come. And then he, he sort of, like, leads an attack on a bridge nearby um, to to sort of make it seem like, you know, that there's guerrilla operations going on when there aren't. Um, Okay. And, and, the British really like what he's doing during this time. Um, they they consider giving him the Victoria Cross, which is like one of the highest honors you can get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up becoming a companion of the Order of Bath and promoted to major. He's a Bathist? Yes. Oh that's that's not good. Um so Lawrence Lawrence travels um, back and forth, you know, with the British headquarters in, in Faisal um, coordinating them working together, um, and and a lot of this is done like, uh, but but a lot of his time by early 1918 is spent just like raiding and intelligence gathering. Um, a, a colonel Pierce Charles Joyce is the main sort of like British liaison with Faisal at, at that time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the the Turks sort of like hate him at this time period. Um, it by the summer of 1918 um, he has a um, he has a bounty on his head for his capture. Turks um, <laughs> hate it, this it, one Englishman. Click
0: here to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: initially, the bounty is is five thousand pounds, which is approximately two point one billion dollars in in damn and around today's money. Uh, but eventually, it goes to um, twenty thousand, which is about one point five, um, which, which is um, what well, the the 20000 is about um, $2.1 million. <laughs> okay. Um, that's so a lot of shroud
2: roll there. A lot of duckets. That's ducats. a lot of cheddar. You know what I'm saying there, Benny? <laughs> you could buy a lot of Shvoetel with that. All and I'm saying is we could snatch this motherfucker in the middle of the night. We'd be on easy street. No more problems. <laughs> you, that's like one of those things, like, do you really think they'd pay
0: out? They would just kill you. You'd bring them in. So no, I was like, yeah, you're dead uh, too. Bye.
2: It, 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 totally not related to anything. I want to say, like, three months ago, Iran put out a, like a $2 million bounty on Trump's head and I was like, bitch, bitch. You don't you need to do for $2 million. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's just nonsense. <laughs> that's, that's just nonsense. Yeah, you're fucking
1: mind. What the fuck are all you idiots? <laughs> They still have uncollected on Salmon Rush Day. <laughs> Isn't he dead? No, man. No, Salmon Rush Day
0: is still alive. Salmon Rush Day's alive? alive? He was on Larry... Yeah, have, did you see the yeah, episode was, of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. When have he was he on He talked there? about fat was sex.
2: I thought he died, like, decades. What?
0: Dude, you, no, you, have you watched alive. Curb Your Enthusiasm? He's in
1: good shape, too. He didn't watch that. He, was, he was just, like... He was just, like, talking about how, like... When you've got, like, a death threat on your head... That, like... The, the sex is amazing.
0: <laughs> it's so good. Because <laughs> there's a fatwa against Larry David in the show.
1: It and <laughs> It's just, it actually, yeah, it's actually Salvin Rushdie telling him I, this.
2: I did not know that. Now I have to go back and watch Kirby Enthusiast yep. specific episode.
1: Yep. Um, so... One of the British officers sort of comments on this um, bounty on him and he says, Though the price of 15,000 pounds has been put on his head by the Turks, no Arab has as yet attempted to betray him. The Sharif of Mecca has given him the status of one of his sons, and he is just the finely tempered steel that supports the whole structure of our influence in Arabia. He is a very inspiring gentleman adventurer.
2: Hmm. nobody's going to try to cut my head off and get me for my my ransom. Mm. I'm somebody's bitch. I'm the Sharif of Mecca's bitch, and he takes care of me. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of the, the strategy that that Faisal and, and Lawrence had developed um, had, had focused on capturing Medina, which is like one of the, the holiest cities in Islam. And then from Medina, there... Medina, not Mecca? Well, he already controls Mecca. Remember, he's okay. the he's the emir like he wants the set
2: okay i just didn't realize there were two like quote-unquote holy cities okay go ahead.
1: yeah like before like when muhammad is like kicked out of mecca he goes to medina and then from medina he comes back and retakes mecca okay all right because because initially muhammad is like forced out by the um by the adulterers the uh the the sort of like merchants that control the city and they don't like him him okay. sort of having his like iconoclastic religion.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't um, like you with your fucking morals. Get out of here. It, and eventually, after they took Medina, they would go north um, through through Mon and Dara um, to Damascus. And they'd just sort of like move north from there, like take the rest of Syria. Um, and Faisal wanted to sort of like go against the Ottomans in like a traditional like military fashion, um, but Lawrence um, sort of. Um, pushes him to do the, um, to, to the guerrilla fighting. Um, and, and Lawrence writes of the Bedouin, um, sort of describing them as a fighting force, um, the value of the tribes is defensive only and their sphere is guerrilla warfare. They are intelligent and very lively, almost reckless, but too individualistic to endure commands or fighting line or to help each other. It would, I think, be possible to make an organized force out of them. The Hijaz War is one of dervishes against regular forces, and we are on the side of the dervishes. Our textbooks do not apply to its conditions at all. Um, which is pretty, which is pretty accurate, because the way a lot of these, um, these, these sort of like nomad fighters fight, is that like they they stop in the middle of the battle, or, or like at the end of the battle, instead of pursuing the enemy to just like collect like the riches from the dead. And it's not to say, like, they're undisciplined. That's just, like, how warfare is done in those areas.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's kind, of, um, it's
1: kind of still how warfare is done. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Medina is also, like I said, it, it's a very attractive site. Um, because its Ottoman garrison has been weakened by, like, disease and isolation as the Ottomans focus on other parts. Um, so... He, he sort of comes up with this idea um, that they, they sort of leave Medina alone and sort of go around it um, and then just sort of take the areas around it because it's already weakened so that by the time they do plan on taking it um, they won't be able um, to, to sort of fight back against them and it also prevents the Ottomans from like moving forces um, from elsewhere to Medina because they have to sort of move them to these other areas they're attacking.
2: You, you have this idea where it's like, oh, we can we can pull a Dunkirk where we kind of just surround him and force him to surrender, but just without the advantage of a of a, a channel that they can be evacuated by.
1: Um and they, they also are, are sort of like attacking the railroad. Um so the Ottomans have to work on repairing the railroad. Wow.
2: I can already see <laughs> I can already see before they attack, they take everything around Medina, and you just have fucking Lawrence of Arabia walking up, just Hi, I'm Lawrence. Uh, we'd like your city now. Uh, we have everything out here. You might as well just give it up,
1: okay? Um, <laughs> it, so it's not really known, too, that if Lawrence was aware of like the Sykes-Picot agreement by this time, um, but it seems likely that it was, because he sort of Uh, pushing the arabs to to move north into into syria and take the cities that are like the prerequisite of them like getting an arab state Mm -hmm. and the the french and and like some british officers are becoming like very uncomfortable with them moving um northward into what the areas like that the french want to claim
2: mm-hmm Well, you said at this point they were kind of working together, right? So what would France's big problem be with basically the United Kingdom going in there? Well, it's they like don't... The first force. And then France could go in and be like, all right, well, now we got our land. Thanks for clearing it out, right? Well,
1: well, that's that's not what the problem is. The problem isn't that the British are, are sponsoring this Arab force. The, the problem is that these Arabs are moving in and that once they take the territory, it becomes theirs like they want Syria to be a French colony they don't want it to be like an independent state that they like have influence on they want it to be like French Syria and French Lebanon
2: okay alright that makes sense kind of like French Canada
1: um kind of but but very different yeah okay Uh, mainly for the fact which we'll talk about is that Lebanon and Syria are purposely set up to fail Um, because they're not really they're not really set up on any logical lines but, but we'll get to that okay um, so eventually in 1917, um, he, he sort of proposes this attack with the Arab irregulars um, on the city of Aqaba, which is on the Red Sea. Um, and Aqaba could be attacked from the Red Sea, and that's where the Ottomans are sort of expecting them to instead of across the desert. Um, but Lawrence and the Arabs, like, they attack from the desert, so the Ottomans aren't prepared, so they get hit from behind um, and they're able to, to take the city.
2: Wow! So this is the second time this has happened. They've been hit from behind. <laughs>
1: um, and he he avoids like telling the his British superiors about this because he's afraid that they're going to tell him like not to do the attack because of the French. It's okay. good reason. Yeah. Um, and then they they also um, they they attack. Um, they, they keep moving north um, and it, it just sort of like, sort of steamrolls from there Okay. Um, so the, the new commander um, the new commander of the, the Egyptian Expeditionary Force um, Sir Edmund Allenby um, he, he agrees with Lawrence's strategy um, and then so now that he has Allenby um, Allenby's confidence and he has um, Faisal um, his, his sort of strategy of them taking these areas in Syria is, is working out for him. Um, and Allenby says this of, of Lawrence, I gave him a free hand. His cooperation was marked by the utmost loyalty, and I never had anything but praise for his work, which indeed was invaluable throughout the campaign. He was the mainspring of the Arab movement and knew their language, their manners, and their mentality. Um, one of the things that happens, like, sort of after this period... Uh, it is one of the things that's run into debate, which is depicted in Lawrence of Arabia. And in November 20th of 1917, um, he was like sort of scouting out Dara in disguise, um, it, which is a city in Syria and he is captured by the Ottomans where he, is, um, where he, where he claims he is heavily beaten and, and sexually abused by, um. by, by like the local um, Ottoman governor who's called a Bey and his guardsmen. Uh-oh. Um, but he doesn't go into the detail about like what they did to him so um, then how do we know
2: it's that he got sexually abused well he's, I mean, he I says that absolutely no qualms about him getting the shit kicked out of him
1: but he he's he says it himself like he says it in, in seven pillars of, of wisdom like okay. in his own own accounts of the war he claims has happened to him okay um but there's no there's no independent testimony um, some scholars have argued that it was, um, that it never actually happened, but there are other scholars that, that alleged that it did happen, um, because he just sort of had, like, uh, some strange tics he developed after that later on in life. Get away from my butthole! Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he says of himself seven pillars of wisdom, and there that night the citadel of my integrity had been irrevocably lost.
2: Oh man, that's shitty.
1: So what? So he's, he was raped, or yeah, that's that's what it's like alleged that he was that he was raped.
2: I mean, it's He was raped or sodomized.
1: You know? So that's pretty shitty. War is a shitty
2: thing. So is this why he, um, you know, later on in his life, he just kind of like went full goddamn to to Sherman, just fucking fucking every railroad he came across up and trying to fuck up all the trains.
1: He well, like. It, it's sort of, like, alleged in that, and like, the book, and sort of, like, that arc. Um, but sort of by the end of the war, um, he's not really present for, like, a lot of, like, the the victories. Oh. Okay. All right. um, for instance...
2: I, th- I thought that this would, like, have that, like I said, like that General Sherman effect on him, where he just kind of turns around and just fucking burns everything to the ground. He's like, fuck it, you're all gonna die now.
1: And um, sort of, like, when the, the build-up to the capture of Damascus... Um, he, he arrived, like, after the city had fallen, mm-hmm. um, and he was the, the third arrival of the day um, with his troops. The first had been, like, an Australian um, light horse brigade um, that had accepted the, the surrender of the, the acting governor. Okay. Um, so he, in, in Damascus, he helps establish this, like, provisional Arab government under under Faisal, and... Um, and he envisioned it, uh, Damascus to sort of be the capital of, of this Arab state, um, mm-hmm. but, um, Faisal, like, is not is not king for much longer after this, because in 1920, um, under, under the, at, at the Battle of Maysalun, um, the, the French forces, um, enter Damascus, um, and, and sort of, like, end this sort of, um, like, like, Dream of like an Arab state. Okay. Um, and, and he tries, he, he tries to sort of promote sort of this Arab state, um, but the Sykes P. agreement sort of, um, prevents that from happening.
2: Mm hmm. Man,
1: that agreement.
2: <laughs> that agreement was so fucking.
1: Oh, God. And I in, can't tell you how, this, how fucked up that thing is. And in, and in 1918, um, a photographer named Will Thomas he, he went to Jerusalem where he met met with Lawrence and, and sort of like takes these pictures of him. Like a lot of the pictures you see of him like riding camels and like sort of in his um in his like Arab dress are from this photographer. Um and it, it sort of like gave to the sort of like lucrative like slideshow presentation that Lawrence would do like after the war.
2: Now did the British use this as kinda like um what's the word i'm looking for propaganda like hey look arabs we're helping you see we're setting our guy who's who's fucking shit up for you guys hey you know you guys should totally
1: be on our side no it was it was just more like because this is after like by 1918 like the ottomans are like done the war is the war is over um okay. by, by this time the ottomans are too concerned with like just murdering like all the peoples like armenians and kurds yeah um so but the UK they, never
2: thought to use him as like a propaganda tool.
1: Well, they they don't really have to because they control the area. So they're just like we have the guns, it's just like everywhere else they rule. Um, so it, it it it's more of like the sideshow attraction, you know, like while Bill, where like they, they just sort of travel around and like talk about like their adventures. It, mm-hmm. it it's, it's like that's what he does. Um, and eventually, too, like I said, you know that that a lot of the the Middle East um, will be sort of made um sort of divided between great britain and the french and people learn about this mainly um through the bolsheviks um, because russia had been sort of in these agreements because it was sort of within their their area of influence Mm -hmm. and when the bolsheviks sort of take over they they get all the documents and they just publish like the agreement
2: okay what's russia's take on this well
1: no the 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 Bolsheviks are like this is this is what like the imperialists are doing, like the the Bolsheviks are in control. They are Russia. Okay. So so Russia was Russia was down with it. So like if we're going to cut up the Ottoman Empire, like we want a peace Okay. Uh,
2: we want a peace of this Ottoman Empire because we're going to have this man named uh, Leon that we need to send somewhere because he's becoming very problematic over here. So we're going to send Leon <laughs> he's part, to Ottoman's point. Part <laughs> of
0: the uh, agreement.
2: We're In, going to send Leon to the state. This subsection
0: B, Sykes-Picot Agreement. Leon leaves. Okay, Leon everyone okay? Okay, ratified.
2: Leon, what are you doing back here? I forgot my keys. I forgot my keys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. I'm going to city. It's funny. Like, what are these keys for? <laughs> his car. Okay. He forgot his keys. His car keys. Oh, his house keys.
0: for like his briefcase full of like papers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so like i said um the middle east is sort of carved up um faisal and a lot of members of what's called the Hashemite dynasty are, are sort of like propped up and installed in in iraq and in egypt and in um sort of in, in saudi arabia and syria um and elsewhere but but they're all eventually like overthrown okay um after after world war ii um, sort of Arab nationalist um, Ba'athists and stuff like they overthrow them um, and, and they're just sort of pushed out everywhere but Jordan okay. um, and, and also too the thing that really throws the wrench in, in sort of like the Hashemite plan and sort of the British's plan for the Arab Peninsula is Saudi Arabia um, because the Saudis who have sort of been banished um, to sort of the center of Saudi Arabia which is like the worst part of the country um they're eh, they're they're sort of banished there um they've sort of adopted this extremist form of islam which is very much at odds with sort of like ottoman cosmopolitanism um they they eventually like uh, rise up they defeat the Hashemites and push them out of the arab peninsula
2: at this point is it saudi arabia like the house of sauds in control or is it just arabia
1: no, it's Saudi Arabia. Like okay. they, they, eventually like rise up and, and like push them out. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like such a poor, poor state that nobody really like cares about it.
2: Actually, this would be the perfect time to ask: um, Is it known as Saudi Arabia just because the House of Saud is the controlling people, or is it kind of just been agreed upon that no matter who's in control, it's going to be
1: Saudi Arabia? It's Saudi Arabia because the House of Saud is in control.
2: Now, if they ever weren't, would the name change, or would they just be like, eh, fuck it, just name it, just so there's no confusion. I
1: think its like, original name was,
0: like, Newark. <laughs>
2: well,
1: <laughs> it, would, it would be, like, whatever they wanted to call it, because the the kingdom itself is literally, like, the kingdom of, like, the house of, like, of, like, Saud.
2: Uh-huh. Now, my only other question is, how likely is it that the house of Saud is not going to be there at any point in the foreseeable future. Or they pretty much they're in there. They're locked in, they're not going anywhere.
1: I don't know, you're you're asking me like a, a question that a lot of people, you know can't even begin to like guess about yeah <laughs> uh,
2: I guess I'm just I guess ultimately I'm just confused about in 10 years am I gonna have am I gonna say the 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 words Saudi Arabia and someone's gonna look at me like I have three heads no. because they're like oh no it's not Saudi Arabia it's Newark Arabia have you not heard the fucking <laughs> the, <laughs> the Guido's they Newark came in and they, they took, took out the in. house of Saud goddamn Vinny came in there from New York and he was like hey I need a pizza place over here we're gonna judge the fuck out this area like <laughs>
0: Oh my God! They're like how many? Are we gonna how... have an
2: Atlantic City in Saudi Arabia? Is I guess what I'm asking.
1: Uh, so like how many? How many years you think they got left? <laughs> so no, do they for real? Because I, I understand
2: that the naming of it is based on the royal family, so I just didn't know if that would actually. Do they call change. it Turkey because the
0: Turkish live there? How many? How many years before they they changed the name of it?
2: <laughs> Seems a little unoriginal. To me. Well, it was Istanbul or it was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, so they can change. That's shit. true. Maybe they just like it better that way. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> um
1: and and like I said too with like Lebanon, Le- Lebanon is sort of set up on like this weird system of like of like Christian and 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 Druze and and muslim sort of like representation where they each control like a different part of the government which ends up you know having like this the huge civil war they had in the 80s um syria itself is also composed of many different sort of like ethnic groups that like hate each other and the french Mm -hmm. sort of like their way of colonial doctrine is they sort of pit like the different groups against each other um like in africa with like the hutus and the tutsis like that type of thing Mm-hmm. where like one one is favored and one is sort of like punished uh, but but if, if another state did replace like saudi arabia it would probably just be something of arabia or named after like a city because no one had really controlled the like just the peninsula before and usually it's just named after like an area like of, of mecca or the nijet or, or someplace like that okay Um, so, so Lawrence goes back to the UK, um, he, he sort of made a full colonel, um, after his return for his efforts, um, and he begins working at the foreign office, um, and he attends the Paris Peace Conference, um, as a member of, like, Faisal's delegation. Okay. Um, and he almost dies in a plane crash, um, in 1919, um, when his plane crashed at an airport, um... Um, in Italy um, that was about to take him to Egypt. Um, the pilot and co-pilot were killed, um, but Lawrence was able to survive with, with minor injuries. No oh, shit. Can't kill and, this guy. And during that, and, and during that time, um, he's, he's sort of visited um, by the king of Italy. Yo, this dude's got some, got some clout. You got the like king every, of Italy coming to see you? Everybody wants to see cool Cool T.E. Lawrence.
2: (laughs) Cool ass T.E.
1: Lawrence blowing up. L.L.T.E. Lawrence.
2: (laughs) Ladies love T.E. Lawrence. Uh, I don't think he licks his lips as much as uh, old LL does. Them. Oh my god, <laughs>
1: yeah. constant licking. So those crazy. lips are in constant need of moisture. <laughs> he's like he's like a desert lizard, like those lizards that have to like <laughs> moisten their eyeballs with their tongues. <sighs> uh. It in in August of 1919, um, Will Thomas. That that sort of um, you say Little new- Thomas. Whoa, little Thomas, Lowell Thomas, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, Thomas. <laughs> Yeah. I was gonna say, do you have a kid, Little Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> little Thomas. I'm gonna be just like me, Father. I am.
2: <laughs> hey, your mom, Little Tommy. <laughs> I'm six, oh, and I've already Tom- taken
1: on six trains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little Thomas sure is growing up fast. <laughs> father, you deserve a hero's wage.
2: Uh, we gave him an ottoman for his sixth birthday and he immediately cut his head off i guess he's going to be just fine
1: yep so in in august of 1919 um thomas the guy we had talked about before um he he sort of launches this uh this photo show um in london um that's called with Allenby in palestine um which is sort of about like the campaign in that sort of area it has a lot of like orientalism with like lectures and and dancing and music. Um, and it it sort of depicts the middle East as sort of like this exotic, um, violent place. Um, and, and initially, um, Lawrence doesn't really play like a big role in the show. Um, but Thomas realized that the photos of Lawrence dressed like in as a Bedouin were like very popular. Um, so, he, he has, like, new photos of Lawrence made in, in the sort of, like, Arab dress. Okay. Um, and, and he retitles the show um, with Allenby in Palestine and Lawrence in Arabia. Um, and, and it's very popular. Um, so, Lawrence becomes, like, this like the co-star of the show. Um, and, and sort of, like, the co-star of, like, the whole campaign. Okay. Um, and before this, he had been somewhat obscure, um, but he becomes like a household name. This was what year? This is in nineteen twenty. Oh, okay. Um, and Lawrence, um, he he goes on to serve as an advisor to Winston Churchill, um, at the Colonial Office, um, and he does this for about a year, um, beginning in in February of nineteen twenty. But but he really hates the work.
2: Yeah, he doesn't seem like he do well in an office
1: the man rides camels
2: i mean now put him behind a desk he's gonna be very miserable
1: um and and he would travel to the middle east multiple times and he would become um he would hold the title of chief political officer of transjordania hmm. um, which i guess is just like the area of like jordan palestine like that area um, and he would he would campaign actively for for Churchill's sort of vision of the Middle East um, by by publishing um, in like pieces in multiple like newspapers um, that would that would sort of promote um, this idea of sort of like a, a British like colonial state that is supported by these like Hashemite kings because um, while the British are like the ultimate controllers they're, they're more like protectorates where the Hashemite kings are running a lot of, like, the day-to-day type stuff. Okay. Um, And Lawrence during this time as well um, would sort of gain a sinister reputation in the 20s from the French. Um, And the French would would sort of blame uh, Lawrence for sort of, like, the Syrians revolting against the French. Um, But a lot of this is believed to just be deflection. Um, A a French historian, uh, Maurice Luray, um, he says that like the 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 reason why you know France was having problems in Syria is because like the Syrians don't want to be led by the French. That seems like um, a stretch, Steve. Uh, you know. Yeah, I know. I don't understand. And, he, he, and the French would sort of like sort of paint Lawrence as being like this like France hating like francophobe, when in actuality like we know from his like youth that he's very much like a francophile.
2: I'm sorry. The man that spoke French so well that people were wondering what part of France he was from. Well, think about
1: it. Was a If, Franco- you, hate, if you hate
2: France,
0: <laughs> the best way to get at them is to learn their language because they and, th- you,
2: and, and and present yourself as someone who's so good at their language. Yeah, because they hate that them. shit. Get the
0: fuck out of yeah. here. He he <laughs> oh, learned God. our ways so he could destroy us. That's what he did. Yeah, exactly. That's
1: what. That's what Charles de Gaulle yells as he, like, throws his, like, glass of wine into, like, the fireplace, and the fire, like, flares up as it.
0: And hits. he did write that Jesus. one book. It was right after Crusader Castles, and it, I believe it was called Fuck La France. I think that's what it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it Fuck the Frog-Eaten French. Yeah. And, that's what I, I expected yeah. the
0: title was. But it blood. was in perfect French, so only the French knew what he was saying.
1: And... Lawrence wants to get back into like the action, like he doesn't want to be just like some colonial official. Yeah. Um, And and in August of 1922, um, he enlists in the Royal Air Force under a fake name. He he lists under the name John Hume Ross. Imagine trying to do that shit today.
2: Why would he have to do a fake name? I thought fucking Lawrence of Arabia was like that dude. Don't you think? Well,
1: they wouldn't. They wouldn't just let him be. Like, because he was a colonel in the army, they wouldn't just let him join the RAF. It's a separate service. Like, yeah. Plus, he wouldn't just be a flyboy.
2: Again, let me go back to the fact that he all he has to do is walk and be like, "I'm Lawrence of Arabia." Do you remember it, when I knocked you on, would think on that. Damascus door? I don't think, I think I it works him, that hey, way
1: in the military. It, you know what I mean? And he doesn't. He doesn't want to be like a high ranking officer because all high ranking officers do is just bureaucratic work. Yeah, he just wants to. What does he want to do? Fly planes? Yeah, he just wants to be like a pilot. And, yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, I mean,
0: fuck it. Um, I believe on his application but, it says "Word to your moms, I came to drop bombs."
1: <laughs> so he's so the officer that is that is interviewing him at the the recruiting center, he thinks that his he thinks that his, his name is, little mission <laughs> statement is bombs over Baghdad. <laughs> he just he just. Uh, he just leads over the desk as he like <laughs> slides it to him, just sort of like spurking at him. Yep. Sort of like sort of like raising his eyebrows and going, huh? Huh? Big smile <laughs> across his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he he sort of um he, the the guy there like initially is like very suspicious of him, and he suspected that the name was like a fake name. And that Lawrence uh, eventually admits that um, that it was like a fake name and that he had provided fake documents. Um, but he's able to convince a um, he, he's able to convince a, an officer um, within the RAF um, to write a letter to um, that, that same day um, to the the recruiters telling him to, like, let him in. As wait, did he use T E Lawrence like did he use his own like push to get that letter written? It it seems that he did. I don't I don't think we know exactly like who wrote the who like pushed the order. So in the end um, he so,
0: did like balls up and push himself. But the guy
1: the guy doesn't know who he is though. Like the guy just gets a letter saying like that he has to accept him. And that he he does this like he's in the RAF under this assumed name until 1923. Damn,
2: I can already see in that fucking mailroom, the the guy who gets the letters like, hey Hank,
1: Hank, who's
2: who the fuck is this Thomas Edward guy? You you heard? I oh, yeah, I think that was that that that, that, that noble bastard kid. <laughs> <laughs> just, just whatever, whatever the fuck he wants. Just tell. Him, just is that the guy that went down there? He got all yeah yeah. Just whatever,
1: just whatever. Uh, yep, and. And in, and in February of 1923 after he's exposed um, he would again make the fake name of T.E. Shaw and he would join the Royal Tank Corps what is this, this do guy like you think well this guy right? is a death wish um, and, and he's, he's not very happy there um, so he petitions to rejoin the RAF um, well he's taken out re-
0: trains and then he flies planes ostensibly right and I now he was, now like, he jumps into easy, tanks. Easy. Tanks suck. They're slow. Well, <laughs> well,
1: he's also a big motorcycle guy. So ah, okay, there you go. He is evil, Knievel.
2: Evil. Evil is 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 Lawrence of Arabia reincarnated.
1: And he gets um, he gets readmitted to the RAF after petitioning on, in August of 1925.
2: Under his own name again.
1: I, I think it's still under that like fake name. Oh okay. God, <laughs> Ron, hey, hey. Ron, Mexico. <laughs>
0: um, but Joe he, Montana.
1: <laughs> what? Joe Montana. Tell me,
0: Joe Montana doesn't sound like a fake name. It always sounded like a fake name to me. It's like, Joe like a Montana.
1: It's r- like a wrestler name. It is. It, it absolutely
0: is a wrestler name.
1: Um, so his book one of his books revolt in the desert is published and and because of its like popularity um the raf bases him in in karachi and in uh, british india uh in in maram shah as well um, which is in modern day pakistan um in late 1926 and, and he stays there until 1928 okay um but he's forced to return to britain after like these rumors start Coming about that he's involved in like espionage activities, um, but after that um, he moves uh, moves back to the UK. Um, he buys a couple plots of land um, in in Chingford, um, England, where he builds a, a hut and a swimming pool um, that he visits, which is now actually part of the city's like um, the the city of London um, sort of like public pools. Okay. Um, and now there's a, um, there, there's, a, like, a plaque for him there. <laughs> That's just some public bull. People walking by it,
0: drinking, like, a Bud Light. Oh, look, T.E. Lawrence.
2: Well, I mean, they have a plaque where he died, and I'll let, you know, Steve get to that, but they have a plaque there, too. Like, they have plaques, to this motherfucker. I think
0: every- history throws detritus on plaques, though. Like, I mean... I've seen plaques in if, Trenton, New Jersey, where they're just cigarette butts on, like, all around on the ground and shit like that.
1: For, well, that's, like, well, that's because, like, revolutionary New they're soldiers. so ubiquitous. Yeah,
0: like, there's a plaque every five minutes. It's like English castles that Eddie Izzard bit.
1: <laughs>
0: we all got a castle. Castle of Peace.
1: <laughs> and Lawrence, Lawrence continues to serve in the RAF. Um, and eventually, um, he, he gets involved... And in sort of like um, high speed boats. This guy <laughs> this motherfuckers everything. I like him. I
0: like him again. He reminds me of a. there's this one character in uh I think he dies to this one character in Downton Abbey who's like doing the race cars. Remember that? I know Steve's seen. I've it. never seen Downton Abbey. Get the I've fuck out anything. of here. It's good. <laughs> I love. I you love. Have to watch it. I literally love British bullshit. Like I love it. You know that's why they're just
2: too too
0: British. Oh, down I, down I love it, I dude. Great
2: British Bake Off. Like, but I'm not watching the old.
0: Um, it's so interesting to see the changing, like the obviously romanticized, but the changing well, of like the social orders that occurs. Well, what's
1: his face? Uh, Carl, is it Colin Firth? Uh, I don't know the if he's in it. The main guy? No, that's not Colin Firth. <laughs> From the Kings. The Kings he's talking speech? about Downton. Yeah, from, like, the King's... Yeah, from, like, the King's Speech, he played, uh, George the... Seventh? Um... You know, the... Yeah, you're talking about Colin Firth. Yeah, Colin Firth. Like, uh, apparently, like, people in the UK are not, like, like, a lot of, like, people in the UK are not big fans of, like, Downton Abbey for, like, the same reason, like, people in America aren't fans of, like, Gone with the Wind. Because, like... Colin Firth gave this whole big speech about how I like, get represented like a better time in like the UK and stuff like that. Oh god. And every and everybody's just like go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah. So um because I've never seen it what's wrong with gone with the wind?
1: Are you serious?
2: <laughs> I've never seen the movie. I swear to God. No, I swear to God I've never it's, seen the movie. It's just like I a very much like Lost movie. Cause.
1: Like the South was like great. Yeah, it's like it's like It's an Anabellum oh, Lost that,
0: Cause thing. that shit. Fuck off. Yeah, there's some fuck real off, like. Off. You
2: lost, you fucking losers. You fucking losers.
0: Reinvention. <laughs> Get out of here. There's like a reinvention stuff in it. It's, yeah. It's not. Oh there's a lot of stuff in it that's not like. Without getting crazy about that. There's a lot of stuff in it that's. Really wrong. Like it's just not right. Yeah,
2: no, I'm good.
0: There's but Down Abbey is Down Abbey is more of like uh, a romanticized kind of period piece, and Mm -hmm. it it does show the shift from you know when they were like absolute royals to like slowly going away from that. But it is it is romanticized. Now I like watching it because I like that shit, but. I could totally see I feel like where. ninety-nine
2: percent of historical set pieces are romanticized. Sure, absolutely. You can't. You know. You know what I'm saying you can't really depict history as it it's, was because God, that would be so fucking shitty. It's,
1: it's also like the crown. It is. Yeah exactly where we're like it's just like a very idealized form and like for us you know it's just like you know like the idea of like a monarch is just like it's almost like like game of thrones you know it's just like a mythical sort of thing like oh this is that quaint they have like kings and queens and they all they all dress fancy but the people who have to live under these assholes they're like fuck uh oh yeah dude down abbey
0: is very much like that yeah
2: it's it's trying to put myself in the mindset of one person rules my life and can have me well, killed if they don't like how I speak is, is just mind boggling to me.
1: Well, it's like the one thing too, like with the uh, the crown, like uh, Montbatten, um, not not her husband, the the uncle, the one who like was was possibly considering like overthrowing the government, right? The one that gets blown up by the IRA like he was probably like a pedophile like oh yeah absolutely there's yeah, all kinds yeah, of like stuff, shit like that all kinds of stuff it's they like leave out. these 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 people are like are terrible and like they they shouldn't be getting these shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so like i said Lawrence um he gets like he he gets sort of like he loves these like high speed boats um and he sort of becomes in the RAF has like a section, um, that, that sort of has like high speed rescue boats to help people that have been like when they're playing gets downed in the ocean. Wow. Um, and it's called the Marine craft section. And the idea is, is that like, because like people drown, um, very quickly and he personally like witnessed this, like when they, when they're playing, it's like downed in the water. Um, That it's so that they can like effectively like get to them and save them pretty quickly.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah, these boats Uh, are super fast. They go like ten miles an hour, fifteen with the wind. I'm gonna tell you right
2: now, this is going to be the first the very first episode where I with with heart say, This is a man of many contrasts (laughs) right here. This motherfucker. (laughs) This
0: boating he's like Ric Flair, plane flying S- speed Flip boat motorcycle riding. riding.
2: Motorcycle driving.
0: <laughs> Camel yeah, riding. Speaking. Camel the road riding. Road blowing up. <laughs> Train derailing son of a bitch. I mean, noble bastard.
1: Noble bastard. <laughs> um, and it, like I mentioned before, he's also a big fan of motorcycles. Um, oh no, no. And um, he... His, one of his motorcycles you can go see it at the national uh motor museum and and you can also see another one at the imperial war museum in london
2: the imperial war museum was the motorcycle right
1: yeah i think that's the one that he because that's the one that's privately owned that's the one he died on yeah um, the one he spoilers. died on was privately owned oh wait he's, he died
0: i thought he lived like forever until this time
2: uh, he still no. thinks, and he's still pissing off the French he's
0: still pissing off the
1: French he still thinks he's yeah. French I can't
0: believe it hundreds <laughs> of years later he still thinks he's French
1: um so what what happens is is that Lawrence like I said he, he ends up crashing his motorcycle um and, and dies and this is like just two months after he leaves the military service in 1935 and, right. and what happens is is that, Did he wear um, a helmet? Was he, he not wearing a helmet? He was not wearing a helmet, because people didn't wear helmets really back yeah, then. helmets weren't really
2: a thing for motorcycles back And
1: then. He, he was driving on the road, and there was a dip in the road, um, and he, there were these two boys on bicycles that he didn't see because of the dip in the road, and so he swerves to avoid them, and he lost control and was thrown over his handlebars. Um, and he would die six days later, on March 19th, 1935, and and there is there is a uh, there's a memorial by the roadside where he died. Or I should say where he crashed, because he didn't die at the roadside. He died, you know, six days later in the, the hospital. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't just laying on the side of the road for six days.
2: <laughs> well, medical technology hasn't advanced far enough to save you, so you just lay there. Well, but we'll see how we'll check on you.
1: But one of but one of the the neurosurgeons that that was working on him, um, Hugh Cairns. Um, he would after seeing this he would begin a long study um, of sort of like motorcycle deaths um, through head injuries and he would be a big proponent of crash helmets for both civilian and military motorcyclists
0: so T. Lawrence invented motorcycle
2: helmets in a roundabout way yes <laughs>
1: um, and eventually um, Lawrence would be buried at the family plot um, which his mother had arranged Um, for him in his in his death
2: i don't know that he was the i guess you could say the progenitor of motorcycle helmets but there's definitely a reason that people wear helmets when they ride camels nowadays looking at you there lawrence (laughs) camel helmets yeah Hmm.
1: well they saw they saw horse riding people wearing those helmets so they just wanted to be as fancy
2: yeah in the tight ass pants Oh, my God. So, listen, side note. Apropos of absolutely nothing. Do you know how expensive those riding pants are? I'll make this short. We picked up this girl at a riding um, area on the ambulance. She would They call She got kicked in the head by a horse. So, on the way into the hospital, we cut got to cut everything off, got to examine her whole body, make sure everything's good. We cut her pants off. When we get to the hospital, her mom flipped her fucking wig that we cut these pants like she went insane in the er didn't give a fuck her daughter was in a trauma center she cared about the goddamn riding pants they're, that were i guess like 200 yeah, i was like you're out of your
0: they're super mind. expensive dude
2: i'm like what the fuck is your kid is in a god whatever so
0: what were you <laughs> thinking cutting those pants that's like <laughs> yeah my bad do fuck, you I-
1: do you know how underwater that family is on that horse <laughs> Don't even don't even get me started on horse equity. I know it's being
2: like really shitty to do, but judging by the way this mom came in there, the way she looked, the way she dressed, and her attitude, that, that family is not underwater on that horse. Trust me. Let me ask you a question about... Um, Although the horse is probably glue now that it kicked the daughter since, in the head. <laughs> that horse is probably fucking glue. Since
0: Ryan got to do it in a of nothing.
2: <laughs> can you eat camel? Is it good eating? It's probably not. And they, they, you can eat it, but it's it not. It seems like considered. stringy. Like, can yeah, I go over to that, uh,
0: that burger place, tell the name Twisted Root, and get Camel Burger?
2: <laughs>
1: yes.
0: <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm going to get the root beer barbecue sauce, put it on top like a fucking American.
1: So, apparently, you can eat camel. It has a similar taste and texture to pork, beef, and lamb. It's it's naturally low in fat.
2: Literally, pork, beef, and lamb have n- no similarity whatsoever other than the fact that they're meat. What the fuck? True. Fu- <laughs> Who wrote that? What the fuck? Google. <laughs> That's like Oh, yeah, you farms. ain't that alligator? Alligator tastes like chicken. chicken? Uh, uh, yeah, it tastes just like chicken. Alligator
0: chi- tastes uh, like <laughs> fucking alligator, dude. I've had, yeah. I've had it many times. Fuck the idea it that it like tastes chicken. like chicken.
2: It does not. It tastes so it's much alligator gamier. Alligator tastes like fucking alligator, bro. <laughs> it's so much gamier. I worked in a place where we had alligator tail, and I've had it plenty of times. It tastes like
0: Steve's. alligator. Steve's definitely it had it, too. I've yeah, had it a bunch. Different people have different like taste buds on it when i came down here before i moved i had had it at lone cabbage uh, which is like an airboat place and uh they're good but it is not chicken delicious
2: yeah no somebody tried to tell me oh it's just like chicken i tried i was like shout out
0: out to lone cabbage hush puppies oh my god
2: (laughs) shout out to bally who grow with their alligator shout out to to t lawrence uh The inventor, the progenitor of alligator bikes, motorcycle (laughs) F.
0: Now let me ask you a question. Uh, So we kind of like threw T. Lawrence on a pedestal here, other than possibly hitting on him because he's an an asshole. Like maybe he's a little bit uh, bombastic. I guess about like his accomplishments, like
2: a braggart. Yeah.
0: Like, but is were there any other negatives that that came up about this guy? Because I mean, that time period, you know, he had some real, real issues. So was he compromised in any way? (laughs) Has he I has he so. milkshake ducked on yeah. Twitter yet? Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: we are sorry to say. <laughs> now he was, it comes out. So he's today just a genuine dude. I mean, he his, he couldn't have his really views been. on the French are abhorrent. They are not for today. He's apologized for them. Yeah. <laughs> he's,
0: he's made a he's new made, Twitter he's account. made a donation. <laughs> he's going to rebuild his follower base over the course of the
2: next five years. <laughs> he's failed He them. put an apology video on YouTube. Let's not forget that. We all saw that. <laughs>
1: You know, let's let's just not you know let's just not penalize a man for one bad day. You know. So
0: here's a man who essentially helps the Syrians, right, to disturb well the Arabs, the Arabs, and okay, so the Arabs to uh, inhibit French colonization in the Arab world with the support of the English. Am I understanding that correct?
1: Pretty much, sort of the formation of a of an Arab state. Because there hadn't been an Arab state. Okay. <clears throat> is there any circle Ooh, okay. where people don't like
0: his efforts in this day and age? Like maybe like hyper nationalists or something?
1: Probably the French. Yeah. I I don't really know because it was just sort of like a thing at the time. Sure. I think a lot of like the Arab nationalists don't like the Hashemites because you know they want an Arab socialist system, um, which is sort of like a fascistic like like dictatorial system sure um, but like other than that other than the fact that like the Hashemites were the ones and that he's installing you know these, these Arab kings from elsewhere onto these like locales you know obviously the people there didn't agree with like Hashemite rulership when they like over, overthrew them in like popular revolts so that's weird um, that, would, that would probably be the negatives but I would say at the time like the idea Like in terms of like colonialism and imperialism during that period, you know, he's one of the good ones. Cool.
2: How's this? I found I found a negative because I was curious. I went on um, his Wikipedia in popular culture where Lawrence (laughs) of Arabia has been depicted. When was this edit made? (laughs) So listen, in Alan Bennett's and this has a this has a um, citation, but in Alan Bennett's uh, Forty Years On, which was released in 1968, uh, it includes a satire on Lawrence known as quote. T. He Lawrence, because of his high-pitched girlish giggle, Quote, clad in the magnificent white silk white silk robes of an Arab prince, he hoped p- to pass unnoticed through London. Alas, he was mistaken. He had a high-pitched girlish giggle. Okay, a, that's hilarious. B, so fuck you. I feel attacked. So wait.
0: So <laughs> you know, So he sounded like Jim Jones. Have you ever heard Jim Jones laugh? <laughs> My wife called. My wife loves murder porn. You know, she watches all those videos, and she, like, like, my, like you do when you're a, a, a girl. And uh, she, I go in the other room, and she's watching this Jim Jones. She's like, "Listen to him laugh," and it is the fucking scariest, most high pitched, like evil giggle I've ever heard
2: in my life. It's only scary because you know who. No, he is. dude, you didn't It know who sounds is, so I weird. Fuck, I heard his laugh. Listen, I heard his oh, laugh. If I didn't on. know who Jim Jones was and I just heard some dude laughing like that, I would fucking roast that dude into the Oh, yeah, yeah, handlers. sure. wow, well, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, well, I want to say that the thing about Lawrence might have also been um, homophobic because it's believed that Lawrence might have himself been gay. Sure. Like there's there's a lot of like debate on that, um, about his like sexuality go. Like and I'm like sitting,
2: even like, who gives a fuck? But then you realize it's the 19th.
1: Well, at that, again, at
0: that time, just to reiterate, it was illegal to be gay where he lived. Yeah,
1: it was the very least problematic. Yeah,
0: it was re- no, it was it was literally sorry, illegal. At the very least
2: it's illegal. At the best, at the best, it's at problematic. Best, it's Cause problematic. Even,
1: yeah, because even in um, even in like Lawrence of Arabia, the movie, like there's there's a tinge of like, of like, of him being like gay. Or effeminate, That's, like like it sort of it sort of hinted at. Hmm. That's dumb as fuck.
0: Yeah, but it, that was that time period. Not to sound like one of those assholes, but
1: you know.
2: Yeah,
0: and I guess some so some guess people get a pass, say... or some people were better at uh, getting away with it. What a fucking shitty thing to have to think, but you know.
2: You know what I'm saying? I, I guess we could say definitively, definitively, that Lawrence of Arabia was definitely a man of many contracts. I, I
0: believe so yes i would say that's accurate steve would you say that's accurate <laughs> accurate accurate <laughs> all right another one in the books
2: another one of the books all right
0: r.i.p to a good one <laughs>
2: So everybody that's listening, RIP. you guys probably already know about our Facebook page, Apple, iTunes. You can also find us on Spotify. You can email us at but we
0: don't have
1: the $100 million
0: uh, Rogan slap that, that he got. He yeah, didn't even give us the insider trading hookup. I know. So. Did you see that? Apparently. <laughs> oh my god! Fucking shot. I sent him an
2: email and I was like, "Yo, listen, Joe, you got any tips? Up and coming podcasters?" <laughs> he sent. What? Day, it, he sent me an email back. Said, "Who the fuck?" No, is this? he
0: replied, what? but he couldn't get you, so he replied to me. I got the email. What he said was that if we invest in saunas, that uh, oh, that's that okay. We'll be all the, right, the
2: sensory deprivation tanks, right? Yeah.
0: Well, a sauna deprivation tank.
1: <laughs> yeah. A deprivation <laughs> sauna, if you will. He <laughs> <laughs> said, "Eddie, Eddie Bravo has a good one. Has a line on a good one for us that he'll sell us. Yeah, and it's not even five G. <laughs> you don't even have to worry about it. Not five G. Jesus fucking Christ! It blocks
0: five G signal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, see ya. All right,
1: people, later.
2: Bye.